1: I'm not going to lie, I didn't have clinging on grimly to a 1-0 defeat against 10 men as how Manchester City were going to make it back to Wembley in the League Cup this season. But then again, what, if anything, actually made sense on Wednesday night? Let's face it, Manchester derbies aren't supposed to be stress-free. But bloody hell, it would have been a lot easier if one of City's players took a shot from close range once in a while. In the week where there were news reports that revealed devoted football fans experience, quote, dangerous levels of stress, I can confirm that I coped by eating a disgusting amount of chocolate. Welcome to this week's Blue Moon Podcast where we're going to try and make sense of what's happened in the last seven days at City including a mini-route about the fullness of the Etihad Stadium Was Pep Guardiola right to say what he said? Was he goaded into it by crafty questions? Or should the fans make more of an effort to fill the ground? All of that coming up It's Spurs away next for City, so we'll look ahead to that and we're talking about our favourite Sergio Aguero goals as he passed the 250 mark for the club recently I'm David Mooney and to help me sort out all of that on this week's show I'm joined by two City fans, Higgy Hello, you alright? I'm not too bad, thank you I'm making his debut, Phil. Hey. How are you doing? Not too bad. Lovely stuff. Uh, so yes, two uh, two cup games. Um, I had forgotten in making the notes for this that City had actually played for them at the weekend.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, because it all kind of uh, stemmed from the derby, but um, you know, through to the fifth round of the of the FA Cup uh, with a tie against Sheffield Wednesday, another Wembley trip coming up. It should feel like this week has been quite good.
3: It should, shouldn't it? But yeah, it was a bit of a, a weird couple of games. Like Fulham was flatter than flat, having been run over and made more flat. It was just horrible, wasn't it? It was, <laughs> it was grim. Um, didn't help the the ten men thing and the penalty kind of sucked it killed, sucked killed what little the life the game had, yeah. had yeah, out of it. And then um, United was just, oh, just weirdly disappointing. It was, it was yeah to go through to Wembley on that performance. Just odd, very damp squib.
1: It's one of those weird situations, Phil, where the team that is losing the tie overall wins the second leg, and so both teams win and both team lose. And
4: it was very unsatisfying. Yeah, it
1: just nobody feels good about anything.
4: No, no it like you say, damn squib, It's just very, very strange feeling coming away from both of those games where clearly good outcome, clearly good outcome, but it just feels like there's something missing in spite of it. Honestly, I'd forgotten that we played Fulham. It left that much an impression. I'm really glad we've got through to the next round of the FA Cup. It's something I really want us to win again. But it, the game was over so quickly that, frankly, I remembered all the comments we'll come on to later, but the game itself had more or less faded away. Just parked it. and Just completely forgot. And moved and on. And then United, it's just... It's hard to put your finger on it, but it was a very weird game to, did you come to away, experience. Did you
1: come away feeling disappointed on Wednesday?
4: Yeah. I'm angry to a degree. Definitely very frustrated.
1: I'm gonna throw in a hot take now though chris, um because United had one shot and scored it, yeah. and that was about that was all they created. so were city actually in control for ninety nine percent of that game and just not just not exerting themselves to to what they would have done if it was a league game
3: to an extent they were in control um and you got this sense of they they knew it, but that's complacency isn't it if you think you're in control when you one get go- one goal away from um taking it to penalties like we started taking off the players at the end that would take penalties yeah and that you would have faith well I mean <laughs> that you would have faith in that's a whole different kind of topic isn't it oh, penalty taking but you you did feel like this is asking for it it's really asking for it so many chances went begging that silver one like I've watched that about 50 times today and like there's freeze frames of it you watch it in, in slow motion you watch it in real time it's like how can you not shoot in that situation what is what is going on in your brain? Like, just pass it into the large gap at the side <laughs> on the left of the goal. Just stick it in the net, man. And he thinks, uh, "I will pass the ball. It's going to be fine." And he's like, "Whoa, whoa, how, Just don't don't get it. It it riled me that. And Aguero was doing his damnedest to try and score. Um, De Gea made a few good saves, um, but there were opportunities there. It's just like the amount of times I said during the game. Pull the trigger, somebody shoot. You've got to take that. You've got to, you got to shoot. And we were just trying to, you know, walk it in the net. Like. It's it's
1: funny though because it's kind of taking on a whole new. It's in the um, wrong gear
3: for me. Well, it,
1: it's all kind of taken on a whole new meaning though, Phil. Because like, that like when the ball is on the edge of the box, you always get those shouts in the crowd. Oh shoot! Somebody have a go! Somebody have a go! Well, City have had the most shots this season, or the second most shots this season behind United in the Premier League from outside the box. So clearly they're having a go from range and it's just maybe not working as as often as fans seem to think it will work. And then on, on Wednesday night, they were getting into like five yards out and not shooting.
4: And it was pretty much everyone as well. It wasn't, you sometimes get it where it's just one one player. Like Sterling has had a few games a season where he's, he's played quite well, he's got a good position and he's clearly he's frozen. And just taking an extra touch. Yeah, and... but yesterday it seemed like everyone was doing it. Possibly with the exception of Aguero, but everyone seemed to be just trying to walk in. Like I had a bit of a, Awkward reaction to the silver one. I'm still more annoyed at Gundogan for the way he took the ball and tried to dribble it past two players, and I am at silver passing it.
3: I suspect Gundogan wasn't expecting it. Was probably, it to probably right. Fair, yeah. probably in shock, thinking, yeah. "Why isn't he shot?" Like, and he's put him off.
4: The fact that everyone seems to be having the same overall reaction of Jesus, we cannot, you know, we can't shoot. Just give it, you know, keep moving it around, keep moving it around. We gotta get, we gotta score. We can't waste this by shooting.
1: Yeah, why Baffling. I mean, why, why does that happen? Why did that happen? Do you think is, is was it a case of, of simply we just need to create the best chance we can?
4: I think it's a combination of lack of confidence and also they've had it drilled into them so well that there is a certain pattern of play and to an extent, the, the shot selection, they're clearly thinking very hard about what chances they take, what chances they opt out of and try and get something better. And it feels like no one's quite confident enough to just say, this is the one, I'm going to go for it.
1: This one's mine, unless it's yeah. Aguero maybe.
4: Unless it's Aguero, who you can't, whatever we do, we cannot beat that selfish ruthless streak out of him. He's always going to try to see a goal. It's always going to be there. It's frustrating sometimes, but and the moments like that, you rely on it because he's the only one you can trust to do it.
3: Do you think we consciously played within ourselves? Well, this is what I'm trying to get to the bottom of because,
1: like...
4: I'm not sure how conscious it was, but I was thinking when you were talking about control, I don't think they controlled it in the sense of actually controlling the game, but it did feel like they were controlling the performance in the sense that it felt like they all knew they could go up another level. Yeah, yeah. yeah but they weren't.
1: But that's the thing. I mean, like they were clinging on towards the end yeah. in the sense that they were holding the ball by the corner yeah. flag. But I never really felt, other than that, that cross that went in towards Maguire at the back post, that United would were, were likely to get a goal. Apart from it as well, when Otamendi decided to,
4: he did feel like we looked very capable of giving away a goal yeah. without yeah. them really doing anything.
1: Yeah, but that I mean that's not good play from United. That's, yeah, exactly. that's, yeah. just, that's just
4: us being city. Yeah, losing, oh, yeah, losing yeah. control
3: of. That's, that's exactly what I was yeah. worried about. Us being us, not them being any good. I mean, Otamendi, case in point.
4: Brainless, absolutely brainless, absolute
3: lunatic. I mean. How many times do you yeah, think? But it was a great
1: foul, though. Do you know what I mean? It was, one, it was a fantastic, I have fouled you. Wham! You know what I mean? <laughs> I have fouled you.
4: If you've been 10, ten yards <laughs> further back, I'd agree with you. <laughs> that would have been really satisfying. But where he did it, it was just...
3: Just, just to
1: to watch you fly in the air and land on your
3: backside. Watch it. Was, it. Wham! Go it on. was idiotic. And yeah. it deserved every ounce of the... Uh, De Bruyne reaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what are you doing? A 31, no.
4: 32-year-old centre-back doing that. He's yeah. just...
3: And being told off. By uh, by Kevin De Bruyne, yeah,
1: you can understand his frustration. I mean, just on the on the decisions whether to shoot or not. Um, we've already talked about the, the David Silver one, the Raheem Sterling one, oh, where Jesus. he's clean through one on
3: one with with David de Gea at the start of the season. He shoots and scores that. Yeah. yeah, to be honest, um, I wasn't too bothered about the fact that he didn't just pick a spot and go for it. You know, he he quite he was quite calm when he chose to go around the keeper, and he dummied the keeper. Well, you know, he didn't panic, Kept and he, he, can't, well. yeah, he, he did everything right. And then the shot again, like you've got to be calm there, it's the eye of the storm moment, isn't it? You've got to just like relax. And he panicked again, and he put all he had into it to get it over from there. Is, is some feet really like, should you passed it.
1: Aguero was stood next to him Silva was thinking why didn't you pass yeah (laughs) (laughs) the irony there of of saying that a player's got an open goal and he should have passed it for someone who's got a better chance
3: he's possibly
4: the only person you should say that though at the moment his confidence is so low
3: but he could have just passed it in do you know what I mean he's again like trying to pop it what's he doing Yeah, I mean in
1: all of that City are through So there is a positive. But again, all of that said, City have lost another home Manchester derby. It's Now, I mean, do you feel feel like like City are sleepwalking into a bit of a problem against United, especially at the Etihad?
4: I think we've Um, already sleepwalked into it.
1: Well, Guardiola's won one, drawn one, lost three at the Etihad now. Yeah. This United team isn't great.
4: And they've not been great over that period of time. I mean, two different managers, plenty of turnover. They've been rubbish pretty consistently. We keep going into them on form. Or at least, relatively speaking, on form, and we keep blowing it. It was better than last time. It was better than the time before that. But it feels like whatever happens in these games, we still manage to find a way to underperform. Yeah. And, and to make them feel bigger than they are.
3: After it, that first half, as well, the 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 Old Trafford leg, where it was just like we slaughtered them, absolutely dismantled them, didn't yeah. we? And then to just take your foot off and the gas. And they didn't
4: look like. I mean, in that first leg, they didn't look like. They'd really exerted themselves to do it. It looked like they just knew exactly what to do, didn't have to think about it, and they just let nature take its course. And then you get to the return leg, and God knows what it is, but something's coming out of them, and they they're falling to pieces.
1: Chris, in in the post-Ferguson era, so from 2013 onwards, City's record at at home to United is 1-3, drawn one, lost four. That is shocking, isn't it? And United, again, have been crap
3: since Ferguson left. Yeah. That is. I didn't realize that. That's that's dross. That isn't it, that's pretty bad. I didn't. I wasn't aware of how bad that record was. Is
4: and some of the wins haven't been that great either. If I cast my mind back, I think the there
3: was a
1: Pellegrini scuffed one nil, wasn't there? there
4: was a, the way we have played the last two years, you expect them to be able to, even if there's some variance, because again it's a derby. You'd expect them to be able to put together at least one victory at home where they pretty much just destroy them.
1: Well, just to to kind of reflect that the. It, 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 the opposite stats, are the same stats, but for Old Trafford. Um, in the post-Ferguson era, it's one five drawn one lost two, and under Guardiola, it's one four lost one.
3: Oh, City, City,
1: City just love it at Old Trafford, and they, they love derbies at Old Trafford, and, and can't do them at home. It's
3: weird. Must be something psychological. Yeah.
1: Now we've uh, we touched on a couple of uh, of confidence players as well. Um, Gabriel Jesus, uh, the goals against Fulham. You feel like they they should do him quite good because he's he seems to be one that that beats himself up when he doesn't get things right. If that makes sense, definitely.
4: If you look at any of his read any of his comments hear him, speak after in these games, he seems seems to take it all very personally, whether he's going well or going badly. And he always looks better when he's in a. He's a very streaky player. He always looks better once he's scored a couple of goals when he's got a little pep in his step, just to keep pressing people, keep forcing things, making things happen. Hopefully, it continues because we do need it.
1: Yeah. I mean in, in terms of, of him at the moment that like that penalty miss against uh, Sheffield United would have done him good. But then I mean to bounce back with albeit a championship side in Fulham playing ten men, but they were they were decent goals, Chris. What the goals against Fulham?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I mean the thing is with the penalties he has got a an abysmal record for like Brazil and City, but he's always to be fair to him, he has got the cojones to, to stand, stand up, up and, mm. and take them again and he's said like, yeah, I'll I'll do it. He's his first you know, he'll be first to have his hand in the air to, to take them. And yeah, obviously, he thrives on goals, don't he? All strikers do. Um, And it will definitely, you know, put a bit of zing back into him. When it comes to uh, Raheem Sterling, though, you'd have thought
1: this week would have been ideal for him to get a bit of confidence. Ten-man Fulham came off the bench, should have been able to impact the game, didn't really. A, A United team that aren't great, I mean he's got a bit of a poor record against United anyway, but an opportunity to, to kind of break that.
3: Why do you think it's just not happening for him at the minute? I don't know if he's tired, I don't know if he's carrying anything. Um, like That chance where Maguire sort of loped in and um, predictably just took it off his foot, he's, that, that touch you could see in his face, he'd realised he'd, his touch was heavy and he'd taken it away and it wasn't going to work. and I don't know what it is with him, it's like Maybe it's conf- Well, he's a very confidence player as well, isn't he? Like you get when he gets in a run of form, he's practically unplayable, and when when he gets in a poor run of form, he's like it he can be fairly, you know, frustrating. And obviously, it frustrates him more than anyone I would imagine. And it's hard to get out of that rut sometimes, isn't it? Maybe he needs to rest. That's the thing with Jesus as well. He gets into run of form, gets rested, and then he's kind of got to build up his head start of steam again. again. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Sterling, he keeps getting, he gets a lot of game time. Uh, He's had a couple of resty bits, like, recently, but maybe he needs a couple of games where he just needs to sit down and watch and, you know, mentally prepare himself. So he's absolutely firing on all cylinders when he comes back. You would think as well, Phil, with the way that Mares and, and Bernardo have been playing
1: recently, Guardiola would want to keep them in the team and keep them going.
4: He's baffled me a little bit. It feels like he's been trying to play Sterling into form a little over the last month or so. Mm. And given how Mares has been playing in particular, and the fact that we've not always seen this quality from him, and he does seem a little bit streaky himself, it's been a bit funny that he's,
3: he's changed there, yeah. more than
4: you'd have expected.
3: I think Mares has been great. This he's season, be,
4: he's been cracking, been absolutely cracking. He's just... I think there's been a few moments where he's dipped and there's been sometimes times where he's just been withdrawn and you've looked at him and just thought, why? What's the, what's the thinking there? He seemed like, especially with Bernardo not having the same form he did last season, taking longer to get going, it's been a bit weird that he's... He's tried to force Sterling almost to play back, his way back into form.
1: It's just not happening, is no. it? Um, one final point on on this kind of week. Um, why do you think City... in, in... On the whole this season have been have been dragged into some more games that are, are more battles than, than than they have done in the last couple of years. We're not
4: years. scoring early. That's my personal theory. Is that at the it? I think I don't think it's all of it. I think it's a, a large part is I think you saw a lot last night with the Derby where for the first fifteen minutes or so, we weren't perfect, but we were able to maintain a pace and a pressing an energy about everything we were doing for the first three minutes that United couldn't cope with. And I think last season and the season before, we'd have probably scored. And if not scored, I think we would have maintained that energy for longer. And it feels like, at the moment, we're able to get that initial push. Sometimes we're not even getting it, but we're generally able to get that initial push. We don't convert it. We don't capitalise on it. We're obviously then a bit more tired. The opposition are suddenly thinking, they've ridden the worst of it. They can try and get something on the break. And
3: Doubt it changes
4: the it it? dynamic as well. And because suddenly, they can sit deep. They can just show up shop. They've, their, their game plan is what they expected. They've, they've not been sucker-punched. But we have to break them down. We have to figure a way through, and we have been pretty good attacking-wise this season for all that we've struggled. But that's still a tough ask. You've got to be, you've got to be really lucky.
1: It has felt though, Chris, like this season there's been a lot of of gritty performances. Certainly a lot more than the last couple of years.
3: Um, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Gritty as in we've They've had, had to, to dig in. Yeah, dig in and for a, like a stalemate, or I mean, we've had gritty performances where there's a lot of last-minute winners, weren't there in the game? Of the games when we last won the league last season where we've battled on and i, I think that's that's gritty this season i don't know am more, i rose more, tinty what is it then? more bitty than gritty i think uh, i know what you're
4: getting at it's been more gritty more bitty from the off rather than us doing well and just having to fight till the end a more
1: bitty gri- more bitty than gritty
3: city yeah that's the nitty gritty <laughs> <laughs>
1: Now Pep Guardiola puts out a mini call to arms after the win against Fulham expressing his surprise that the Etihad wasn't full. It's upset some fans while others thought he'd been too open responding to a question in his press conference. Either way the fuss that was kicked up maybe was not the best preparation for this week's Manchester derby. I've been taking a look at what happened. It was clear on Sunday lunchtime that the Etihad wasn't full. Hopefully the next game against United, our fans can come and and make our stadium full. That was everything Guardiola said on the topic in the post-match press conference. Some fans asked why their support was being questioned. Others argued that the manager was just answering what was put to him. So in the interest of transparency, here is the question and answer in full.
2: How difficult is it for your players to play in those situations though, where you're playing against ten men, the stadium's not full? Was motivation a problem today, maybe? Motivation well, was right. They start really well. After 2 we, 0, we missed a little bit, some movements, more attack with intention to attack, but it was not easy because they defend well and high. Uh, yeah, hopefully, the next game against United, our fans can come and, and make that stereo full. Then, this is what he said to the BBC about the upcoming Manchester Derby. The semi final, second so leg, a chance to, to come back to Wembley. For three years in a a row, hopefully our fans can come more people than today, hopefully can can support us more and uh, make an intelligent game to to qualify for for the final.
1: Did you feel today that there wasn't as many fans here as you would have liked?
2: Yeah, I was not full. I don't know there is a why, but it was not full yet.
1: For a couple of days, the mood festered. On Tuesday in Guardiola's next press conference, he was asked about how his words had gone down with the fans.
2: Never was my intention to, to offend them. They are part of us. Since I arrived here, the day one, until the last day, what I want is fights and play as good as possible to see Etihad Stadium full every single game. So it belongs to us to play good. To seduce them, to come, because the only reason why we do our job, and I do my job, is not for the titles. It's to go to a at the stadium and see absolutely full the people and together, enjoy together the games. He added that there were different feelings about different competitions. Since I arrived here, I learned from English football how important are the Premier League and the Cup, the FA Cup. More important this club than Champions League, much, much more. We knew it for through the club and I experienced it. It was my mistake. But I thought, oh, it's Sunday, one o'clock, today will be full. And I didn't know if the BBC One is not from the sky, they can watch it and of course the people can decide.
1: Guardiola made a point of saying he understood the pressures that fans were under, but some don't think that's true. This is City fan Nico. He's given up two of the cup schemes after a huge rise in his season card price when he was no longer eligible for an under-21 ticket. It's the cost of tickets over the course of a season. We've had four games this month and then the money's gone out for United and then Madrid coming out shortly. People haven't been paid since last month. It's January, it's the toughest time of year. <laughs> he also says he's not alone in the decisions he's made. Tickets have gone up year on year for years. I know Percy's seven or eight families who can't afford anymore, yet still people routinely put the club over for other things in their life because they rely on that emotional connection. The club relies on that emotional connection. John Hay has been on the podcast panel in the past. He's one who's not happy
0: with Guardiola's comments. I've spent over £100 this month on City. I've paid my season ticket payment, which is £32, cheapest part of the ground. Went to Port Vale in the cheapest part of the ground, that's 10 quid. Fulham, cheapest part of the ground, 10 quid. United, cheapest part of the ground, 20 quid. And in isolation, like, they really aren't bad prices. But City aren't like Liverpool. We don't have another 30,000 fans there ready to fill seats that other people don't go to.
1: In all of this, though, it's worth noting that City's attendance on Sunday was the third highest of the weekend, behind only West Ham and Newcastle. Shouldn't that be praised, given the time of year? January people like
0: christmas has just happened a lot of people will have only been paid last few days um some people haven't even been paid this year yet and a lot of people realistically have to pick and choose if you spend in 100 pound for a couple of tickets for you and your mate against real madrid then Going to follow isn't going to be the highest on your list of priorities.
1: Nico agrees that this is one of the hardest times of the year and says, ultimately, it's just not a good look. I didn't go to the game on Sunday, but I was at the stadium
0: on Sunday collecting donations for the MCFC fans' food bank. We're an incredibly well-run club from top to bottom and it's mad to think that in a climate where 40% of Mancunian kids are growing up in poverty and people in one of the richest countries on earth had to use food banks, it's mad to think that Pep doesn't
1: have advisors informing him that responding to these questions like this is terrible. Terrible optics for the club. It could just be that the Fulham game is the point that the irresistible force met the immovable object and everything came to a head. John Hay says he understands why people pick and choose cup matches.
0: When every season, your season ticket is going up by, let's say, £20, this nominal amount that means nothing to the club, you look at what else you can cut, you think, maybe if my season ticket is going up for absolutely no reason, I'm not going to go to the third and fourth round of the FA Cup. And I think that's fair enough. I think, I think Guardiola, if he really wants to tackle this issue, he needs to speak to the higher-ups at the club.
1: This isn't the first time that the cost of football, especially ticket prices, has been discussed on the show recently, and very little has changed down the years, other than maybe another 10 or £15 going on top of prices something at some point is going to have to give, and if City and Guardiola want a full Etihad Stadium in each match of every competition, then maybe both sides of this debate need to get together and work out a solution. It will be interesting to see what the reaction to the Real Madrid prices and to Guardiola's words this week has on the season ticket renewal announcements due in a few months' time.
3: Hi there, this is Joe Royal speaking. You're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast, carry on doing so
0: for a pledge of two dollars a month you can hear our weekly bonus show on a wide range of city topics there's more details on patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast
1: a look there at Guardiola's comments about uh, filling the Etihad stadium so uh, Phil I'm going to start with you Uh, do you think Guardiola's words were fair?
4: no quite simply my reaction was a little bit moderate depending on how I've what his intent was and I've been wavering a little bit on that the more I've thought about it but I cannot see an interpretation of his comments that isn't at best just mildly insulting to City fans with as many games as we played with the context of the game itself he was coming off it's just it's very disappointing it's dispiriting
1: a little bit naive maybe in how he's responded to the question
4: I'd like to say yes but I don't think so. I think he knows what he's saying. It's not a it's not the kindest question but it's not that sly either. It's not like he's sneaking something in. He sounds he sounds like he knows what he's saying.
2: Mm.
4: And he's there is no way that that's encouraging really to hear from someone who is essentially the figurehead for the club.
1: If he's asked the question though, Chris. Yeah. Should he should he not give an honest answer? If that's how he feels, he wants he wants the stadium full.
3: He doesn't have to give that answer. He yeah. can just bat it off if he wants, and he doesn't want to. He, he was clearly annoyed. He seemed annoyed with us, and I was annoyed that he was annoyed. At, I felt like it took it as like a bit of a personal slight on behalf of all City fans. Really, not that I'm, you know, in any way representing all City fans, but I just thought you can't. You know how can how can a man of such intelligence be so detached from reality? I mean, you're saying. The amount of games we've played, yeah, that's a factor. The time of year is a factor. Um, the time of day is a factor. Who we're playing as well. Who we're playing is a factor. 1pm on a Sunday, it's like... It's it's in direct conflict with grassroots football in many respects. There's a lot of people um, who play football on Sunday mornings, um, whose children play football on Sunday mornings, who won't have been able to go. It was on BBC, so, uh, you know... It's, there's so many factors that but were
1: some parts of the ground that were only a tenner
3: yeah i know i but it's
4: not in isolation, ultimately for yeah. all, for all that the ticket price it might be good for one match when you've got those that many games in close concentration you've got limited resources you I'm... can only you've got to pick and choose at yeah, certain
3: yeah. point i mean i went, i paid a tenner and uh, i took my godson actually archie hello if you're listening but um he enjoyed it but that's the only reason I went I missed I missed my game of football that Sunday morning to go and watch City we lost narrowly to a team I used to play against could have been the difference you don't know that's annoying as well <laughs> um, it's just like I, he complained about he complained about the atmosphere as well like he, first he's complaining about the amount of people he complains about the atmosphere we're playing Fulham who died? a uh, man sent off man inside sent 10 off minutes after, and 1-0 down yeah it was like six and a half minutes 1-0 down penalty 1-0 game's pretty much over it's going to be uh, a, an absolutely mammoth turnaround for um, for Fulham to get back into it. So that doesn't help the atmosphere. And um, it's, it's weird how the first person to acknowledge the, the fixture pile-up and its detrimental effects on the players isn't able to translate that into the detrimental effects it has ultimately on our bank balances and our wallets. So, oh, guys, there's too many games. Uh, scrap the League Cup. My players are getting tired. I just want to protect the players. Protect us, dude. You know what I mean. We we effectively, you know. I mean, we've got we've got quite a good backing financially, but we are putting our hard earned cash into that club. And to, to I just felt it was a bit, a bit of a kick in the teeth. And he had this. he was kind of scowling um, the way when he was saying it. He had you know that sort of mouth half open, furrowed brow, brow like you know. I don't know. It's. What he, what he said afterwards as well annoyed me. His follow up comment the, the, in the pre match to United when he
1: was asked yeah. about the fans' reaction to it. Yeah. What what did you make of that kind of that response? Because he because
3: well, he, he he said at that point it was never my intention to offend. Anybody. Yeah. Obviously that's like a, a kind of a PR climb down trying to rein it back in and turn it around. But the immediate in, in the context of his initial comment about it when it, when he said about um it was like oh, more sarcastic than Gandhi. Um, you know when he. He said, uh, "Oh, uh, well, I realise that the... Um, About the FA Cup. Yeah, I realise we're, we're at a club where the League Cup means more than the Champions League. So hopefully there'll be more people uh, against United on Wednesday. And it's like, ooh, oh, that's... I mean, we've said, I've said on air that I prefer the League Cup to the Champions League. So, you no, know, one, it's nice to know that Pep listens to the show. <laughs> Hi, Pep, if you're listening. Um, but, yeah, to, to sort of throw that back at us, it's like it's not our fault we hate the Champions League look at what it does to us it's like we get robbed in VAR it's I, I'm not going against Real Madrid because I, I simply can't afford it Well' loads of stuff to save for uh, this year and I've had to sacrifice that one and knock it on the head but like yeah the other thing is as well he used to manage Barcelona right are they always full against lower opposition I'll tell you what they're not because I've Googled Cause you, it because you've done your research I've done a little bit of research love a man who knows it. how to Google before he comes onto the show well In 2010-11 season, Barcelona's lowest attendance was in a a Copa del Rey game against I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, I can't do the accent. It's (laughs) Ceuta or C-E-U-U-T-A, so some lower league team, and it was actually 38,971, which is in fact lower than our attendance against Fulham. So sorry, mate, you can't have it both ways, pal. I mean, I love the guy. Don't get me wrong. He's, but this is I mean, fantastic. This is he's the interesting genius, thing. He's so intense and focused on the team that he kind of forgets that we make the atmosphere for the team, and it's we're not not going because you know we we can't be bothered. It's like it's. it's, it's I just found it a bit unfair and a bit. I'm am smarting from it a bit to be honest. This I mean this is the
1: interesting thing as well though, Phil. Do you think he's he's not necessarily got. The City fans, because I mean, all football clubs will say that that their fans are unique to some extent. And they're not. All football fans are pretty much the same. Except there is something a little bit different about City fans when it comes to attitudes towards the team,
4: towards the competitions. Do do you know what I mean? There is a degree to which I agree with that. I don't don't think he expected the degree of stubbornness and awkwardness about certain things. Like, I mean, the Champions League is the the obvious one of we probably weren't there straight away. But once collectively we took an opinion, we've stuck to it no matter what anyone else thinks, we're not going to suddenly start liking it just because other people want us to. I I don't think he gets that, but at the same time, I don't think he can use that as an excuse because we've all said it. He's he's clearly an intelligent man. He clearly, in the case of Barcelona, clearly is able to recognise that there might be reasons for this and it might not be the end of the world. I find it hard to believe that he's saying this stuff because he's unable to translate it to the context of City. When he knows what's going on, when he's as close to the people who actually run the club day to day, Personally, I find it quite hard not to believe that, at some level, he's saying this because he's been asked to go in that direction, rather than because he truly believes that there's no reason we shouldn't
3: have those attendances. So you think he's being kind of primed to make that comment? I think he'd be being more
4: politi- I think he's being more political than he's letting on. At the end of the day,
3: Ooh, I don't know. He seemed he seemed quite kind of. It doesn't seem innocent
4: the way he's saying it. Like we're talking, you mentioned that the tone, the manner of the way he was saying, it didn't seem to me when I was listening to it or when I watched it at the time that it was entirely off the cuff. It didn't seem like it was, you know, an expression of his own personal belief because we see him when he's speaking sometimes and he looks very animated. Mm. Not animated like he's on the touchline, but you can see where where he's got a bit of a spark of a thought. Yeah, really intensity. Yeah, and this seemed a bit more... Sullen's not the right word, but there was a little bit more just down about it in a way that...
3: I don't know, I, I kind of got the opposite. I thought he was... And like you know, I could, I felt like he, I, he was annoyed by it, and like he wanted to make a point about it, and I just thought it was, I was, like I said, I was amazed. It was just like a massive wrong goal. I th- he could quite easily just say, uh, "Guys, I'm not answering questions about that." Like
4: that was my other thing that I took away from the first question when he's answered that. It's such an easy thing, just because it's a question around motivation. Mm. It's just so easy just to say, "My players are always motivated. They're professionals. I'm not going to get into that." Mm. To take it, the opportunity when he doesn't have to. He didn't, to go he, in on that. He
1: didn't even need to say so that he, he, he said, "Yeah, it was a difficult circumstance yeah, today, but I thought we battled well." It's a very
4: strange thing to actually engage with that and go into it in that depth when that's the topic, man. I mean, I see, why yeah. would you choose to go after your fans like that when you don't have to?
3: There seems to be an air of real melancholy about him in that interview, where he just like he looked genuinely, at, you know, like at odds with everything. And it's like, yeah, I'll have a dig at the fans as well. Actually, like. It, I think he's annoyed the way our title challenge has gone. Um, we're talking about Spurs earlier. The whole season just seemed like we are. It's it's like it is written. You are not winning the league this season. That decision against Spurs, the VAR stuff that goes against us, all the stuff that seems to have gone for Liverpool. I mean, obviously, you know, Liverpool are, are an absolute machine. They're really a quality team. Nobody, you'd be an idiot to deny it, but you'd also be equally stupid. To suggest that they've not had some ridiculous look, not all of their own make. Sometimes it's like the officials look like they're turning a blind eye to pushes in the box, to offsides. Where there's certain offsides with it, where you can you can you can put the lines exactly where you want, and you can make a i I could make it offside where they've made it onside with the little blue dots and the, the <laughs> millimeter here and adjust it at that at the top and but pull the perspective out of the bottom. And you think that's kind of all got on top of him this week yeah i think it's kind of found a little outlet a little uh gasket um you know blew some blew some steam out and uh he's kind of climbed down on it but what i want him to do i want him to bat away questions like that form a bit of unity a bit of a siege mentality which you need to be united with us in yeah that's
4: i think he's very keen to do a siege mentality for the players but he never extends to the to the fans. Which I was, is going to weird disparity ask, though, about the it? games
3: affecting the players, and but he can't see that it affects us as well. Like. I was
1: going to ask, though, is, is it all ticket prices? Is it all about the ticket prices for City fans not going to, to games, in, in, especially at this time of year?
3: Do you think if it have been free, if the game had been free against Fulham, do you think it would have been a max attendance?
4: I think it would have been a hell of a lot closer. Maybe not... Hard to say fully matched, but you'd think it would have been easily, you know, fifty or thousand. because I'm still thinking free, about
3: the appeal of the game. Yeah, mm. that's what I mean. Because if it was, if I weren't taking um, my godson to the game, I would have probably gone and played football instead. Do you know what I mean? Even yeah. if it was, even if it had cost me out to go to the game.
1: How did it? How did all of this this week affect the atmosphere on on Wednesday?
4: I think it might have it in a weird way. Possibly. felt like there was a lot to vent. You know, the usual Derby emotions combined with a little bit more of whether it was people who took pepsi wanting to lash out a little bit at the perceived think- injustice of it or people wanting to lash out at the frustration
3: of it. Do you think he maybe thought he was helping create a good atmosphere by saying some of the stuff he said? Because I basically don't need to stoke the atmosphere against United, in my opinion, because it's going to be there. But do you think he was thinking, oh, well, i better say something here. It might be just the same on on Wednesday because if he got the atmosphere he wanted
1: why didn't it work for the players
3: yeah there we go well that's another um, another sort of yeah that's another (laughs) parallel to draw isn't it like the players and the fans like well we're getting affected like this why aren't you getting affected like that yeah good point (laughs)
1: Time to look ahead now to the game against Spurs at the weekend. Uh, out of nowhere, Spurs are suddenly one win in five Premier League games. They've, they, this season has been really weird for them. How, how how do you foresee this game?
4: Bit of a shambles, both sides. I would have thought. To be honest with you, I don't really trust either. <laughs>
3: <laughs> We're some. Um, we seem to be stumbling at speed mm. in terms of our performances. It's like we'll either trip up and land on our faces or sort the rhythm out. And continue a pace. I don't know which way it's going to go. Quite honestly, uh, Spurs—they've lost Harry Kane, haven't they? They've just lost Ericsson. Have they got anyone in over the uh, transfer?
4: I don't Gelson, know. I Fernandez. Like, before the window yeah. slams mm. shut, uh, a Dutch forward
3: whose name I can't remember. Oh yeah, Gelson. I was ki- Steve something. Yeah, it's got a W in it. Steve W. We will call him. That. Yeah, go there we on. go. I thought they'd signed Gelson uh, Fernandes. No, that not, been not, really not that, good that one. That would that <laughs>
1: would have been. I was like, I was like, whoa, really? that would have been blindside, That one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, he's oh, really. it's not him. Um, City, are, like, like we're getting out. City have been up and down as well, so it's like it's it feels like a really difficult one to read.
4: It feels like it could go either way in a very emphatic manner,
1: or we, go neither way in a very unemphatic yeah, manner. Yeah, just
4: like <laughs> it, it feels like we we could comfortably score four or five goals. Not because Spurs are awful, just because we can create enough chances. But as we saw earlier in the week, we could easily spend ninety minutes
0: not do, shooting. doing
4: it enough to create those chances and just do nothing with them.
3: Need to and be still
4: collapsing the defence to actually give away a few goals maybe as well.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, it, 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 we heard from Guardiola, uh, I think it was either before or after the United game, I can't remember, um, but that Fernandinho might not be ready for this one. What's up um, with uh, him? I, I don't know, it it was kind of one of those miscellaneous, not very serious injuries. Is that like um, Laporte as well?
4: Well he rushed him back and then he's uh, yeah. he's all right, but no, he can't play.
1: Yeah, Laporte was was very much on the side of let's not rush things. And all I'm right. kind of on board with that one. So um, it's not his knee that he's out with? Not to my knowledge. Um, but, I mean, certainly when you know that those
3: two, especially Fernandinho, are, are not available, um, does that just start the alarm bells? Well, it makes you wake up in a cold sweat thinking, no, Andy? don't do it. Like you know, Don't step foot on that pitch. Yeah, don't Stay dive there. in. <laughs> 12 yard slide like a maniac Um, yeah obviously there's question marks over the defence because there's uh, big gaps to fill if those players aren't available but we surely surely to God have enough um, firepower up front to um, get past Spurs back line and bang a few and if we apply the ruthlessness we were talking about lacking in in the derby if Dave Silva gets in front of goal this is the thing with Silva he'll probably now shoot for the next five opportunities where he should actually pass. Pick up a couple of goals. Yeah. Ping one in from the edge of the box. Yeah. Going, no, Just no, I don't what think he'll score. I think he'll shoot when he should pass and it'll be like, oh,
1: mate, what are you doing?
3: Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It could go either way. Uh, I, know how,
1: was... I mean, we talked about it a little bit in the first part of the show about the, the intensity there in the first 20 minutes against United, Phil. How, how important is is getting the pressing game right? Because it feels like this season, the press has not really been there for times.
4: For me, for all the, we've talked about the defence over the course of this season. That's been the biggest thing because I think one of the biggest differences between this season and the last two seasons has been that partly it's been because of where we play Fernandinho, where we've had to play him, but we've not had the press from the forwards or the midfield in a way that has He's seen us through a lot in the last couple of years, and he's put a lot. Of, it's deprived us of chances further up the pitch, and he put a lot more pressure on the defence, and they cannot cope with it because they're not. We're not built to have that much pressure on the defence, and when we do, even when Otamendi's not being, Otamendi, <laughs> even when he's not doing that, we we're more porous. We, we struggle.
1: Yeah, I mean in terms of performances though Chris, what's more important from this game, getting a good result or actually just just getting back on the feet and playing well and not necessarily winning the game but but actually getting some confidence into those confidence
3: players we were talking about? I don't think not winning the game is going to do that, even if playing well and not winning the game, that's just going to leave, that's just going to be... Redoubling the head scratches. But what if
1: but What if they were to get A high scoring draw And Sterling bangs two in That are great goals And you know Jesus gets a, a, a great goal as well
3: Um, Yeah I suppose it, kind of, what I mean uh, Yeah I'm warming to the scenario As you intended it um, But It would still be Very frustrating And leave you with the same conundrum Do we just be ruthless And be mean Or do we just try and play our football It's got to be both hasn't it I mean come on Look at the squad we've got Going forward We've got, to, we've got to be playing well and beating, um, well, uh, uh, with the squad we've got, we should be either top of the league or uh, uh, a lot closer to it than we are. Yes.
4: And this isn't the Spurs of two or three years ago. We should be beating them.
3: Yeah, they've got no Kane. They've just lost Ericsson. They're Seth.
4: woefully out of form.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it starts to look more and more like a City win, boys. <laughs> but what what do you need when uh, when you're woefully out of form? You need a visit from
1: City, don't you? That's how yeah. that's how things work. Oh, um, yeah.
3: deflated again. Weirdly
1: him. though, uh, City are seven wins from eight away from home in the Premier League. So actually, on the on that kind of odd flip side, is it playing away from home that they're able to deal with things a bit better? There's no there's kind of maybe no expectation from from the home fans weighing on top of them, or like that. Like every time a, a, somebody put a pass out a play on Wednesday night, there was a oh uh, that sort of thing doesn't happen away from home it may be easier to play under
4: i think there's also the difference in how the opposition plays as well there's not many teams who come to the etihad and genuinely Open tri- the game up <laughs> genuinely try and you know really go for a win it does happen but not very often whereas when you're at home well when we're away when the opposition's at home they tend to feel more of an obligation to do something even if it's not all guns blazing and i think we do capitalize on that more often than not
3: although even away our game doesn't change does it in terms of our possession stats are always, like, ridiculously good.
4: I think we catch people out on the brain more often. Yeah. I can't back that up with any facts whatsoever, but gut feeling. Gut feeling.
1: Gut feeling. Yeah, yeah. Fair play,
3: fair play. Yeah.
1: And uh, just finally on this game, uh, Chris, do you, you mentioned it before, the VAR stuff with uh, Spurs. Yeah. Um, do you think this season would have gone differently if that like, Jesus goal had stood? Um Well,
3: yeah. Uh, second game it's, of the it's season. Hard to, it's hard to say, and uh, retrospectively, like, would this have led to that, but... It's about moments and momentum, isn't it, a lot of the time, footy? And um, it was a big moment. It really deflated us. And it made you think, "All oh, right, is this how it's going to be? And so it proved. So I'm inclined to think that, yeah, it, it really has had a big swing on us. Yeah. Uh, that combined with all the other ridiculous <laughs> decisions that we've witnessed. <laughs> Fair enough, right, uh, well just
1: the one chance on this week's show to try and bolster the total for the season so far on the charity bets, William Hill is giving each of the panel £10 correct score single and the winnings are going to the Christie, cancer hospital in Manchester, uh, Phil what are you what are you uh, going to kick us off with?
4: 2-1 City, how do you my bets?
1: 2-1 City, it's 13-2 so £65 if you're right, uh, Chris coming to you now, what are you going for? Gone for 3-2, City. 3-2, City is 18-1, uh, to one. so uh, 180 uh, if you're right. Uh, mine is 12-1, to one. it's 2-2 two, two, uh, between the two sides. I can just see it being one of those games. Uh, £120 if I'm right. Uh, you've got to be 18 or over to gamble. Prices can change. Please gamble responsibly. Check out begamblerware.org for more information. Now, recently, Sergio Aguero passed the 250 mark for the number of goals he scored for City, and Tottenham are one of his favourite clubs to play against, with 12 goals against them in 17 appearances. To mark his recent achievement, we've been asking your favourite goals he scored, ignoring the obvious one, of course.
3: Hi, I'm Lefty Goldblatt, and one of my favourite Aguero goals was the headed one against Watford in the 15 16 season. With less than 10 minutes to go, we were 1 0 down. A yaya pile driver got us level, and three minutes later, a pinpoint Sanya cross enabled
0: an Aguero to produce one of the most accurate headers I've ever seen. Hi, my name's Alex. Uh, my favourite Sergio Aguero goal, beyond the obvious one, is when I think we won 4 1 against Sunderland, and Aguero nipped it through the legs of one defender, and then he kicked it really hard, and the goal net came off the ground. And that's my favourite because as much as I like the fancy stuff, it's fun when a player foregoes that and just kicks it really, really hard. Hi, my name is Ben from Louisville, Kentucky. My favourite Sergio Aguero goal happened on the last day of the 18-19 season against Brighton.
2: Hiya. My name's Kieran
1: Murray.
3: My favourite Aguero goal is against Liverpool, and I'm not just saying that to try
0: and force a rivalry. Brighton had just scored, and for the moment, given Liverpool uh, the title, and less than 90 seconds later, he comes down on the other end, takes the flick from David Silva, and rifles it between the keeper's legs.
3: It was 2013. City were trailing 2-1 at the Etihad. Gareth Barry played the ball forward, and Pepe Reina inexplicably kind of tried to chase down Aguero outside the box.
0: The excitement and composure that he finished that with uh, let me know that everything was going to be okay and City were going to get it over the line uh, to win the title again.
3: Aguero controlled it, lofted it from an impossible angle almost at the touchline and it nestled in the side of the goal. Just proofs that he can make the impossible possible.
0: Hi, my name's Raf. My favourite Sergio goal was the opener at West Ham several years ago. Uh, it was a lovely through ball from Bernardino. Sergio onto it like a flash. Brilliant finish into the bottom corner. But what made the goal truly special was Negredo's exquisite dummy. Casually walking towards the ball. Kept on walking as it passed him. fooled the defence and Sergio's onto it and tucks it away. Hi, my name is Matt and my personal favourite Sergio Aguero goal was his third against Bayern Munich in the 2014-15 season as it completed his historic hat-trick against one of the most renowned teams in Europe.
4: Hi, this is Jimmy from New York. Uh, favourite Aguero goal was the equaliser against Brighton on the last day of the 2018-19 Premier League season.
1: Hello, my name is Chris. Uh, favourite Aguero goal behind, obviously, title winning goal. Um, was that this game, beat Spurs 5-1. Jekyll scored four, but just remember, Coon's goal that game.
4: Had that not happened, we're chasing the game, uh, maybe we end up losing 1-0, or uh, tying 1-1, not enough to overtake Liverpool, not enough to have back-to-back championships. One of the best parts is that it was David Silva passing him the ball, seven years after 93-20. I
1: think Nasri slipped him in, he fired at him with his left
3: foot, top corner
2: great day out great result Hi this is Mike from the Bold from the Blue podcast with my favourite ever Sergio Aguero goal April 14th 2012 an away game against Norwich City and a 6-1 win Hi my name is Benny and my favourite Sergio Aguero goal was in the 2013 FA Cup semi-final against Chelsea The first of a brace from Sergio lives long in the memory a beautiful bouncing back heel from Tevez Fox, the Canaries defence, a wallop. Sergio dumped one into the top corner from the edge of the box. The goal started with a brilliant cross from Gareth Barry that found Sergio in front of a Chelsea defender to guide a header past a static Peter Cech. The reason it is my favourite Sergio goal was the timing of the leap, the base, and placement of the header to perfection. Anyone knows we'll love it.
4: Hi, this is Paul Dickhoff, and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast.
0: Get involved with the debate on Twitter, at Blue Moon Podcast.
1: Some cracking Aguero goals there. Uh, Any favourites? Obviously, we're not allowing the QPR one.
4: Too many to pick from, but not allowing the QPR one and not wanting to repeat. Anything anyone else has said so far. I'm minded of two derby goals that he scored. One at Old Trafford in 12-13, I think. Everyone remembers. Wham! Top corner. Danced across the area. Smashed it in the top corner. Phil his knees. face. Oh, uh. <laughs> brilliant. And then uh, September 2013, I think Moise's first derby, where he pirouetted. The volley. It's beautiful. Uh. It, uh, two goals where I can, I can picture the goal and I can picture the celebrations if it's right in front of me. Yeah, Love him.
1: He does. He does that thing when it's certainly when he celebrates against United, where and he's like
4: pounding his chest and, yeah. and there's a, he's yeah. lashing out a little bit. He's, yeah, he's, and there's there's so are, much passion in it.
1: All, there always seems to be a cameraman right in front yeah. of him as well. It's fantastic. He's great. Chris, any uh, any Aguero goals that uh, that stand out for
4: you?
3: Well, I was just uh, just enjoying remembering those actually. But there's a really good one against. Um, Oh, who is it now? I had to. I should have written it down because I've just I've caught up in the moment of you describing those goals, thinking, "Yeah, yeah, that was amazing." <laughs> and the ones I had have gone out of my head. There's a really good one that he scored against Wigan, but I, I like that because of the Dave, Dave Silver bit that he did in is midfield. That where
4: silver pirouettes, holding the ball he, but just kind of shielding it.
3: Yeah, he does that thing where he just kind of walks around it, doesn't of, he? That was the his. First, that was
1: his first hat trick. Was it? Yeah, that was his, it was his fourth game or something. Right. And he just he one on one with the keeper and just rolls it. Yeah, into the just corner. casual,
3: nonchalant as you like, just strokes yeah. it in. But the, the build up from Silva is probably my favourite bit in that. But it's still a fantastic goal from like a, a team perspective. Is it West Brom where he rifles it? There's one where he's about. 20. Oh, in Pep's first season. I think so. Yeah. And is at it the, West Brom? Yeah, it's at
1: the Hawthorns. Yeah.
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's about twenty twenty odd yards out, and you see the net lift off at the back. Yeah, of you know when it go You know when they describe a goal as like arrow-like because it's just. Like an arrow, <laughs> <laughs> it was just, just the speed and the yeah. accuracy, the way it just, you know, I th- probably broke the sound barrier going in. Yeah, mine was ridiculous. My
1: favourite is the uh, it was mentioned in that feature is the the Liverpool two oh. two draw where he just lofts it past Rainer when he takes it round Rainer. Oh, he's sat, sat on his ass and, he, and he's, he's already yeah, and I, he just on the deck. I used to sit three
4: or two at the time when he scored that, and I was right behind it, and I don't think I've ever seen a better goal from. You not know, actually being able to physically see it because the angle he scored that from was just never unbelievable. Possible.
3: How do you do that? Also, uh, that Liverpool one last season where oh, yeah. he had no right to yeah. score that. It was such a pressure cooker of a game and the way he gathered it And he and, does
4: it like it's not a big thing as well. Yeah. Like, like you should post a score from that angle from Yeah, three Yeah, yeah just
3: lash that in from here, thanks. Yeah. And then it, the Perhaps way usually he, he'll do that. Again, his eyes, the Pupils like fully <laughs> dilated, the steam coming out of his nostrils and his whole face contorted in like a, a, a maddened, you know, delight.
1: Well, but what about the Chelsea game last season? Missed from
3: yeah, yeah. half a yard out, but how, it popped how it far wide. Out was that one, and then, that? then just goes, Oh no, I'll pop it in from twenty-five yards. That it's was all right. Amazing. <laughs> the guy's a phenomenon. I absolutely I think he's oh, he's just an absolute legend, is I'm gonna I'm gonna oh, miss so him. Much. He's gonna, he's irreplaceable, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Let's finish now with Ask the Panel. Send your questions in for next week's show. Twitter is the way to do it, mainly at Blue Moon Podcast on there, but you can email us through the website, BlueMoonPodcast.com. We're also on Instagram as well, so go and search for Blue Moon Podcast on there. Uh, first up is Alan Harper on the emails. He asks, how can City plan ahead for the future if Guardiola is only going to be the manager for one more season? What if whoever replaces him is after different players, when clearly Guardiola wants a lot of new faces coming this summer?
3: Well, firstly, Alan, what were you doing taking that penalty against Everton? Uh, it should have been Michael Hughes taking the penalty. <laughs> really rankles to this day. Uh, I can't remember the question because I was just instantly fixed on with how the name I, Alan Harper. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. Why? Why tell that? It was on telly as well. I knew he was going to miss. Knew it. What was the question? Uh, how can City plan ahead if Guardiola wants
1: new players, a whole host of new players for next summer, but he's going to be leaving? Guardiola well he's going to be leaving at the end of next season Well, this is most really likely I, unless he signs an extension
3: he needs to, what I require from Guardiola is bat off questions about the fans or answer them passionately and get behind us and nail your colours to the mast say you want to there's an obvious challenge here surely if he's a manager that relishes a challenge biggest challenge of your career go toe to toe with uh, space teeth man Klopp yeah <laughs> um, and and just slug it out, nail your colours to the mast.
1: I suppose in a weird way, Phil, the, the what you would say to Guardiola right now is, listen, you've never had to take apart a team and rebuild it when it's been your own team. Why don't you try that here for the first time?
4: Yeah, I think it's a good opportunity as well, for, for everyone really. I mean, it's a big ask to do it, especially with the challenge that Liverpool are presenting, but I don't think you have to be limited by Guardiola's future. You use him whether he's here for one year, here for another three. You include him. You plan for the future. We're not going to suddenly change philosophies whether Guardiola's here this season or the next four. It's going to be a continuity. You find the common elements and you go from there.
1: So, in terms of having a, of, of an overlook of the transfers, then I suppose that's where the director
4: of football comes in. Yeah, that's what he's there for. I've, if you can't do that, then you've got to be asking questions. But we've it's not been perfect. But the way we've handled transfers over the last few years, I'd have quite a lot of confidence that we're not going to suddenly about face and change. It's kind of plans.
3: been all designed for Pep, though, hasn't it? Even the directors of football are kind of chums of his and apparently he was casting his eye over transfers before he was even at the club. So, I don't know, if he goes, are the directors of football going to stay? Are we going to have continuity? That that would be the
4: more worrying question for me. I would assume he'd stay. If he doesn't, then it is a serious issue, but his job is to be the continuity across between managerial managerial teams. Mm. If he's still there, we should be suited to do it.
3: Do you think Pep will go after...
1: I think probably the end of next season. When he's con- when his contract's up.
3: Yeah. Mm. I'd like him to uh you know, step up and say, Do you know what?
4: I'd like him to see all Liverpool. Do
3: yeah. You know exactly. See 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 them off, prove that you can because yeah. I tell you what, Klopp ain't going anywhere. No. He's gonna be there till he, they'll be dragging him out. He's uh he seems to have really bought into it. I want that from uh from our guy really, rather than Britain. It's about crowds and that you know what I mean well uh, let's see what happens Mm -hmm. and I might uh, have got it wrong about the uh, other penalty taker when Alan Harper missed that penalty it (laughs) might might not have been Michael Hughes but anyway Alan the point still stands yeah I don't think it's the same one just
1: to crush your dreams uh, Iggy sorry about that Um, I hope not for his sake Ian Boyd asks on Twitter Leroy Sane is getting closer to fitness what impact do you think his return will have is there any chance of him staying at
4: City this summer or is the move to Bayern now almost a dead cert big question isn't it I'd I'd like to think he's going to come in and have a Massive impact almost from the off. We know the player he can be, but the injury he's had, how long he's not been playing, it's, I think it's impossible to, to know what form he's going to come back in, what state he's going to come back in. Is he going to have the same speed and agility? Even if he does, how long is it going to take him to get back to delivering in a game? If it goes well, it could turn around at the end of the season. If he takes a little bit of time, who knows? And I'd like to think he'd stay as well, but it doesn't sound like he's going to... He wasn't really part of the run-in last season, was he? No, he doesn't... It's hard to believe that he's suddenly going to be more trusted by guardiola after what like six months out
3: yeah similar to the last question in terms of what's it going to be like when you know someone's not going to be there or you think you know if they're you not think going this to be is there the, the last is stage. the impetus going to be the same is he going to be playing within himself because he knows he's going to buy in apparently he's um been impressed i mean he's It's daft uh, story season, if it ever isn't. It's even worse at the moment for like paper talk. But I read somewhere that, oh, he's been so impressed by the loyalty at City that he's actually wanting to sign a new contract with us. Doubling the wages might have something to do with that. (laughs) But I mean, if he's, if he's, if I was definitely leaving a club um, in the back of my mind, even though I wouldn't be making a conscious effort to underperform, there's, Surely something psychologically there which prevents you from going full well, when, tilt, you to it. It. especially when you've just.
4: And you'd want to protect yourself, wouldn't you?
3: Especially after the injuries just yeah. come back from, you don't want to like. Have you ever it up handed your notice in at a job?
1: Um, How have you been during your notice period? Is it that sort of kind of? Oh, I'm just gonna,
3: I'm,
1: just kind of see it out now. Um, it's kind of like the same thing, is it? I
3: don't know. I mean, just much better paid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think if I've had a I think, oh, redundancy at Sharp that time. Anyway, forget Sorry, that. I didn't mean to bring up all batteries. <laughs> <old> <laughs> right, we'll uh, we'll we really regret that. Yeah, I'll move on to the next question. Should Sorry about that, Chris. Couple um, years, yeah. uh, Daniel
1: Hewitt asks on uh, Instagram After his contract extension, will Fernandinho play much next season or will he be considered more of a backup as City try to phase him out?
4: I still play him quite regularly based on what we've seen, but it looks to me like he. But my interpretation based on how he's been this season is that he's probably going to try and use him more of a company role, a bit more of a you know reliable standing. And
1: less, at, uh, well, less in defensive midfield, because you'd assume yeah, yeah. that would be Rodri.
4: Yeah. And he, he does seem to be a lot more comfortable buying midfielders than buying defenders, so that you know kind of solves <laughs> that problem a little bit.
3: You would think that if he's got a contract extension when he was negotiating it, that question might have been asked, are, am I going to be a bit part or am I still going to be prominent in your thoughts? If he's had assurances,
1: I've, just on that though, I've got a feeling it was triggered automatically. There was the number, oh, that's the true. Employer, yeah, that's true. By that's the number of true. games he's played.
3: Well, I don't know. Um, depends who we're getting over this summer. It's hard to say, really. He's kind of in. It's supposed to be in the twilight of his years, but he doesn't. He looks like he could he perform still at this great, level. Yeah,
4: playing out of position, he's still comfortably our best defender. He's
3: still quite quick, even though his game isn't massively built on pace he's quick enough to do it it's all it's his brain isn't it it's his football brain which is still yeah it's a bit of a Rolls Royce isn't he I think he can uh, definitely play keep playing his way into selection
1: yeah best Brazilian in the Premier League
4: hard to think of anyone who comes close
3: I really like Willian actually do you rate him at times, but not to the same level.
4: No, maybe. <laughs> more, he's, he's more spectacular moments, but he's more fleeting.
3: No, I don't know. I think he's uh, he's nearly he's nearly at that level, but yeah, Fernandinho. The answer's Gilly. Fernandinho anyway, Chris. Yeah, correct, correct, correct <laughs> answer. Do I win five pounds? I was yeah, just I'm uh, sorry about that. Uh, no, sorry, right, don't <laughs> Right, well we've reached the
1: end of this week's show so thank you very much for listening and if you've enjoyed it please head over to all your usual places for listening to podcasts and give it a rating and review it helps us attract more listeners which helps us to fund the show through the ads. If you'd like to help out further with covering the show's costs then you can join our Patreon page, there are a number of reward tiers and you can find out more on patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast this week's bonus show for the backers is all about the historical rivalry between City and Spurs. Special thanks to this week's panel Higgy, thank you very much and Phil thanks nice for having me. I'll be back next week to look over the game. Game at Spurs. See you then. Take care.
0: That was the Blue Moon Podcast. Please support the show. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast.